Welcome to The Other Side of Sex, where we discuss how to have sex with no drama, hosted by your friends, Steve and Kama. This podcast is focused on talking about how great sex can be when you learn how to properly communicate your wants, needs, and desires with not only your partners, but yourself. On this show, we want to help our listeners live their happiest lives, so our self-proclaimed sexpert, Miss Kama, will also be answering some of your questions about sex, life, and relationships. She will also be having even more fun educating you about kinks and fetishes. Ultimately, she will be offering advice centered around how you can find your true self and start having better, more fulfilling sex. Enjoy yourself, and welcome to The Other Side of Sex. Before we jump into the show, we need to share a note about our content. The Other Side of Sex is created for adult audiences only, and listener discretion is advised. Our show includes frank discussions involving sexuality, kinks, fetishes, and includes some downright dirty language. Hello, Kama. I know it's been a while. We both had a bit of real life get in the way of our schedules. Just a but little. I think we're both... <laughs> I think we're both at a place where we could focus more of our time and energy into the show to start helping as many people as we can. I mean, I, for one, I have work getting in the way. I got family stuff getting in the way, but I want to put a lot of energy into this. You know, it's just normal stuff, everyday stuff. But I think this is important to help people um, understand more about what makes them tick. That's why the whole purpose of this show. I agree. I had a lot of stuff going on, too, with the role reversal. Uh, My counseling kind of kicked off a little bit because... People were not feeling super happy and needed a bit of guidance and a little bit of love and support and encouragement going forward. And now that we've kind of reached a plateau of it, um, I think with some levity, some levity is good to come back and remember that um, the whole world isn't on fire. And if you have healthy relationships in your house and healthy relationships with your partners, then you can kind of find a way to get through, right? Yeah, exactly right. And I want I want this podcast also to be a place to remember that sex is fun. Oh yeah. Well, I would really like to hear more about you know some of the subs, some of the partners you've had over the last couple of weeks, because I'm really curious as to what sort of kinks and fetishes you come across regularly. It's a good question. Um, it's definitely different than how it was when I started out 25 years ago. Um, back then, it was most the 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 kink du jour that kind of came to the fo- the forefront the most was foot worship and foot fetish play. And I really thought when I got back into things after a break that that would be the reigning fetish, but it's actually not. Um, I get, but I'm a soft dom. And what a soft dom means is that I am not much of a humiliatrix, which is another fun kink term, but I am not really mean. Um I tend to elevate rather than denigrate. So the people who come to me are more interested in exploring things of a more sensual nature. People who are interested in um, cross-dressing or feminization, sissification, female-led relationship, female body worship, um, which takes a lot of different... Uh, which has a lot, it has, I mean, it's as many sided as a 
box full of D and D dice. Really, I mean, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> so, so is this more like you're not a human? into the humiliation. So is this more people that are looking for a strong feminine presence to lead, to guide, to explore um, whatever it is that they want to do in a safe way, right? A lot of times I get a lot of the feminization because men who may feel conflicted about homoerotic desires will lose that fear if a female has guided them towards it. So I'm fr- empower them, yes. right? Give them the courage to get over it, right? Yes. The confidence to explore. Like if I give someone permission saying, hey, watching you play with that guy, that's hot. Or watching you try on some feminine clothing, that's sexy to me. I like it. I encourage. It takes this, I guess we're still operating on a shame scale about being bi or being gay for many men. And it kind of softens it. It gives permission. So I do a lot of that. But lately, and we decided to talk about it today, the idea of... Um, Cuck play, cuckoldry comes up quite a bit. That fantasy works for so many people. And holy cow, if I know I've said it in the podcast before, but kinks are as varied and unique as fingerprints. And this one takes so many forms and is so unique in its presentation for every couple that I figured it was something really good to talk about today. And we will. But in my play, I've had had a, quite a few um, people who were interested in pain more than I usually get. People don't usually come to me for pain modalities, but that's been happening more. Interesting. So I wonder if that's a sign of the times or just sign of... Um you know, just random nature of, of your work. But it's good to hear that a lot of the people you're um, playing with, I don't know how to explain that in a you PC say, way. You can um, say it that way. Yeah. Um, are being able to express themselves under the guidance of someone who knows how to get them where they want to go. And I guess at the end of the day, that's all they're really looking for is that help helping them understand themselves a little better, helping mm-hmm. them understand what they're into a little better. But I, I, I did get I did get a really nice compliment that I was called a very loving sadist. <laughs> oh, that's a because... funny, funny term. But anyone who really knows you understands that 100%. <laughs> like the first 10 minutes of meeting you, it's like, yeah, that, those two words work yeah. together to describe you. I can do the thing. I just sometimes I have to, for me to be able to push through, um, to appeal to someone's masochist tendencies, I have to feel very secure in their enjoyment of it. And sometimes it's really hard to reach past someone's scream of pain and agony and know that this is really what their heart desires. It can be a little scary for me, though I will tell you, I I don't mean this to be funny, but kind of, yeah. Um, I did have someone that I've kind of, I've told this gentleman throughout the course of most of the pandemic that I simply wasn't up for what he needed because he wanted some pretty severe um, chest trampling and rib kicking. And I thought, no, you know, that really, I'm like, I used to ride horses, man. Even after chemo, my legs are really strong. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I said, and then he said the magic words. He said, can you punish me for the sins of the Supreme Court? And I said, what? And he says, I would like you to kick me. And as you kick me, 
say the names of the justices who help reverse bro. And I was like, come over right now. Light bulb. Light bulb right then. Okay, let's do this. I'm ready. And he said, you know. Therapy for you, therapy for him, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) And he said, you know, um, comma, uh, I bet you're not going to be able to kick that hard because you were so sick in the past year. And I thought, you know, I kind of bought this. I kind of bought into it. You know, this time last year, I didn't even have the ability to walk. How hard can I possibly kick? But boy, almighty, all it took for me to go is Clarence fucking Thomas. And I found it within me and this poor man he said in the 25 years that he's been seeing doms he's never been kicked so hard in his <laughs> life <laughs> he said he'd never been scared of a dom in his life until i landed the first blow he said the first kick took the wind completely out of my chest and he's like you're scary he's like i'm never afraid of a woman he's like you're legitimately terrifying which again if you know me i'm like a big freaking dork you know like i am not yeah, a scary I'm... person yeah but but that's good to you got him obviously what he wanted maybe more yeah i'm sure he uh <laughs> <laughs> he was surprised we'll leave it at that Maybe I should have just like charged a five dollar cover <laughs> and invited women <laughs> to come over and kick him for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you well, go. Maybe I need to. I need to just rent him out. You know. Yeah. Like, there you go. Let other people turn it into group this... therapy. <laughs> yep. Right. Like here. You turn a group fetish into a group therapy real quick, right? Yeah. Right. Like here, I'm only cover. I'm only charging for the well drinks that I'm serving. You know. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody bring some ibuprofen for this guy and, uh, you know, and your boots. <laughs> Ironically, he was really nasty to me after the fact. And uh, I had to terminate the client relationship because of how he treated me after. Which made me really sad. Uh, that's like, a shame. Yeah. You know, but it's just interesting to me that you can get that close with someone to the point where they trust you enough to kick you in the ribs. And then he was making suggestions that were actually quite dangerous to my well-being so i I do want to take a moment and sort of talk about um what my life actually is um i am a pro-dom that is sex work um but i keep to the legal statutes of things that i'm able to do without doing anything that could get me arrested um but make no mistake, it's still considered sex work. I have to be careful about my personhood. I have to be careful about my home. I have to be careful about everything that I do to make sure that I am safe at all times. And what my client was suggesting was that I put up an ad that I was a mistress looking to do things for fun fun and then he said you know because he said nobody wants to pay a pro uh, i'm like well that's not true at all but he said you know yourself worth you know yourself worth yeah yeah right <laughs> he's like you need to just tell people that you know meet them for lunch and tell them what you want to do to them and then say i kind of want some money for it um that's how you get yourself killed Showing up to some place under false pretext is a really good way to get hurt. Honesty is better. People say, will you do a hand job? And I say, no. Will you do this? No. Will you have sex with me? No. Will you give me a blowjob? No. You know, I'm not looking at other women or other sex workers, shouldn't limit it to women, who do this 
that's fine. There are places where it's safe, sane, and legal to do so. It's also not my mm-hmm. modality. So I'm kind of lucky in the like in the respect that um, it's not illegal to vlog someone. Yeah, I, but I I just felt like it was important to set to kind of state the parameters that. And I attended several meetings um, in New York City when I was in my 20s on uh, like groups about how to keep sex workers safe and as well as advocacy meetings to talk about the legalization of sex work because as we've found. And just about everything across the board, making something illegal doesn't mean it stops the behavior. If this didn't work with just say no. Right. It always leads to the same thing happening just in an unsafe way. But this is still something that's happened throughout the course of human history. Right. It, it, everybody's oh, yeah. okay a, with it. It's, it's just like you go to this one spot in Nevada, it's legal. But if you go a block down the road, it's mm-hmm. not. It makes no sense. It doesn't. And it, I think it all relates to the culture of oppression of women or hustlers or, you know, if they're mm-hmm. male sex workers, it, like just the fact that they're called mm-hmm. hustlers. Come on. I mean, yes, I'm on the hustle all the time. Hustlers got to hustle. But I mean, if it were safe and legal, there would be so many better jobs for people. There would be health insurance for the sex worker and there would be jobs for people to work at security for them and we would cut down on oh disease rape abuse things that are generally unsafe for people and there are plenty of countries around the world that do that exactly for their sex workers right i know that exists so right you know all these states all of a sudden are starting to make marijuana legal right no one ever right like my father never thought in a million years he would see that in his lifetime and he's seeing it in his own state you've seen it right and, and it's it's just interesting well like here in the pacific northwest um i found i was watching a tv show on netflix called uh, something about changing your mind change your mind documentary on psychedelics here in the pacific northwest it's legal to go to seattle and buy psilocybin mushroom wow. spores and it, it and heroin in and psychedelics are decriminalized in Oregon, just to the south of us. And it's just finding safer ways for to allow people to do what they're going to do. Because p- telling them no doesn't really mm-hmm. stop anything. Yeah, we, we said it before. We'll say it again. It's not going to stop the act. It's just going to make the act unsafe for more people and cause not just harm. It's going to cause death. It's going to cause a continued strain on, quote, mm-hmm. the system. Right? There's so many... Mm-hmm. ripple effects here that and of course the people who are the loudest um detractors of this you know the christian <laughs> right <laughs> they're the ones using sex workers more than anyone so take that with your greatest yeah. soul i will say um so i'm also a phone sex operator which is um, a post-covid world um most of my clients who call me on the phone it's not about phone sex as much as you would think. I think maybe 10 to 20% of the talking that I do anymore is involving actual descriptions of sex. Most of it is just talking because people are lonely and people are scared and sad and feel disenfranchised. One thing I can tell you is that forget the thin blue line. There is a thin pink line that protects a multitude of people from being raped, children from being assaulted sex trafficking from occurring and that thin pink line is the Mm -hmm. sex worker um i cannot tell you how many times i have been convinced that on the other end of the telephone line was a malevolent energy that i felt like i was keeping at bay from entering into the world and we forget that sex workers have a place and their place is to do what others often will not and the end result is keeping 
other people. I've, safe. I've, I've never thought of it about it that way, but it's keeping people on the side of fantasy versus reality, right? They're not going to, they have all these evil thoughts mm-hmm. potentially because you said malevolent or it's not always evil, obviously, mm-hmm. but they can express no, 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 no. their pent up sure, no. anger, frustration, whatever the heck it is in a way where it's not actually going to hurt someone physically, right? I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of people right. in your shoes who emotionally deal with it, but you're probably tough enough to just let it slide a lot of the time. Or you, like you said before, you move on from a client. Yeah, I fire clients all the time. And what I, I, I find so interesting too is there on the phone set website that I work off of, um, there is a, there are forums for the women who are, to the people who are doing it. And this ties into something else I wanted to touch on, which is that July is Disability Pride Month. A large percentage of phone sex operators are disabled women. Oh, How wow. How kind of interesting is that? Oh, it makes yeah. sense because they work yeah, from home, like, from the safety of their own home. They don't need yep. to, I hate to say it, but show their disability in doing this. And they're probably really good at what they're doing. And they've been through a lot themselves. They know how to diffuse situations like you're alluding to or help someone have that relationship experience, whatever it is they're looking for. Myself included. I was bald and sick and struggling to do the flight of stairs in my house, but I was able to do um, phone work. My voice has not failed. And it was a way that I could generate income on my own. I started doing it after I was denied disability for not making enough money in the state that I had been working and they terminated my disability said you actually didn't make enough money as a veterinary technician so we're canceling your disability check like yeah. what a, a, a very hell? respected role like, it's one of those things like people need to get paid more but that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> yeah exactly right you know I was below poverty line in a blue state you know doing radiology phlebotomy and a surgical assisting for animals and I mm-hmm. got paid bupkis and I make I make in a week now what I made in two weeks as a veterinary technician, and that's working four or five hours a day from home. Well, just like during the pandemic, you had a, a lot of people go to sites like uh, OnlyFans and found the same thing, right? I know uh-huh. that's probably a whole nother conversation right. for another day, but it's that same mentality where during 2020, when it all started, everyone was just finding ways to make ends meet, and they realized they have more opportunities sure. doing other things in a simple point of view. I would like to talk about that in a future episode, how kink and sex is represented in the media. Because the pandemic certainly changed the landscape of commercial mm-hmm. porn in a massive way, in a massive way, and in, in, um, not good. And I think a lot of people got into it thinking it was quick and easy, and they found that they weren't mentally cut out for it. Now, I say mentally cut out for it. You have to know to stick to doing what makes you feel good mm-hmm. and feel authentic. I, in fact, I. You know, I've been guilty of it too, um, jumping into something thinking, oh yeah, I'll feel comfortable doing this sexual modality. And then I do it once and I'm like, that doesn't feel good. And I stop. A lot of people who get their toes wet in sex work, they don't know when to stop. They, they don't, don't know, know the real limits. How... They don't know what they're capable of. They never really thought of the ramifications. The list goes on and on and on. Exactly. And it's important to hold mm-hmm. your boundaries. And and so one of the things that I always say to people is having a healthy solo sex life, knowing yourself, knowing your body, knowing what you can and can't um, get your head around as far as any type of sex play. Know that stuff. But... So yeah, I, I guess really it's not... The, there was an old joke that kept going around when OnlyFans started taking off. It's like, oh, I wish I could sell feet pics and get, you know, $10,000 a month doing it. But it's a lot 
It's a lot more than <laughs> that. It's not that simple. Right? It's not as simple as everyone easy. thinks it is. It's just like every job. You need to dedicate <sighs> time. You need to know what you're doing. It's not just as simple as, oh, I'm going to sign up and be rich. Right? That's really what we're talking about. Yeah. OnlyFans is tricky. And you have to do your own promotion. And it's, I think if you, if there were a lot of women, or a lot of people who um, they struck while the iron was hot with mm-hmm. OnlyFans. But now what it's kind of degraded to is I still look at this kind of stuff. I see girls on Twitter who are fully nude masturbating on Twitter um, for no money trying to sell a $2 a month OnlyFans subscription. So for $2 a month, they're working their pussy online. Uh, no, uh, no. not going to work. So it's interesting going from the OnlyFans. Also at the start of the pandemic, you know, TikTok really started taking off. And I noticed a lot of people kink talk oh, yeah. and a lot of people were using the term accountant during the time to promote their OnlyFans on TikTok. Now, I, really? Yeah. So people would use that as a way to get people's eyes to click an outside link to go to their OnlyFans. Like you're saying, striking when the iron's hot. Uh-huh. TikTok was the same way. You had a lot of creators at the start of the pandemic who realized what this really was and were able to create a big following and take a lead. And not a lot of people like now trying to catch up aren't aren't going to be able to do it because it already happened. It's oversaturated. Sure. And a lot of the communities now, like um, on websites like Chatterbait, of which I frequent, uh, the whole cultural landscape shifted after the pandemic because it got saturated with amateurs. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's the best way to put <laughs> like, it. It got saturated with amateurs and people who don't know what they're doing and don't like the, oh God, the thing that really blew up, the kink that really went off the fucking charts in the pandemic was fin findoming or financial domination. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not here to kink shame, but I, as a soft dom, I'm not really interested in wallet draining. I, I've seen... Findom. So the the idea of getting behind a findom is that your mistress or your your top, whoever the dominant is, doesn't have to be a lady, um, is wallet draining you. Um, and men will work multiple jobs just to buy Louboutin heels or coach bags um, to keep the to keep the dom in a state of luxurious spending. Mm-hmm. But there is a psychology to it. I've had a fin sub. I actually dated someone years and years ago before my marriage that that was their that financial domination was their kink. And it's incredibly psychological. There's a lot of give and take to it. It's it's so nuanced. And I think and I noticed on FetLife when the pandemic started, like before the pandemic, there was like three or four groups. <laughs> no, I don't know. There right. just really wasn't a lot. There wasn't financial domination wasn't really represented. But now there are fin doms everywhere. And it has nothing. Like, it's it's just it's not like, you know, girls, girls, they come to me and they're like, I want to be a fin dom. Teach me how. And I'm like, where's your degree in psychology, lady? Because that shit is hard. Right. Because you know, just it's like there's a right way of doing things, a wrong way of doing things. And the people that are coming for you asking that question, I guarantee you're doing it from the wrong way. Right. They don't exactly they don't understand right. what that really means. They just want, oh, someone to take care of me and I don't have to do anything for it. Does, does that really right. sound no, like something that, like- that should work in society? No, there's got to be more it, to it, right? There has to be. Yeah. This oversaturation, there I'm sure, is, just hurt the whole category. It really did. And, you know, it actually, because I have rules for my submissives. Like, my first rule is you will respect your body. You will ask me to do things, you know, that could be... I have had a lot of requests over the course of my professional life of people who wanted me to do... um 
things to them that would alter them physically forever. I don't do anything that involves permanent disfigurement. Um, my second rule is we respect our relationship. We talk about consent and trust. And each time we get together, we get to know a little bit more about each other. And I tell my submissives, if you're going to come to me, don't come to me and tell me that you're just a piece of shit that doesn't deserve anyone to care about you because inherently I will care about you. I will make sure that your body is safe and I will mm-hmm. make sure that your mental status is in accordance with what I want. And then the whole Findom thing made me add my third rule, which is we will respect a budget. I now have every client slash submissive who comes to me set a budget for their monthly spending. And I check in with them about it because I think that unexpressed kink becomes necrotic and I want people to get what they need. I still think, you know, the role of the American sex worker is just shame. The the way we're treated is absolutely shameful. Mm -hmm. And um, it touches, I want to touch on one other thing is that this being Disability Pride Month, if we had legal sex work, it would make things for the disabled a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I have disabled clients. They're in their 60s. She's, you know, kind of not interested in playing anymore. She's reached a point in her sex life where she wants to take more of a back seat, But she knows that her husband, who happens to be in a wheelchair, isn't done yet. He's not done playing. So she and I are friendly, you know, um, she just steps out i go to their house but we have a lovely playtime together and it's all on the up and up with his spouse and that's something i i try to work my clients towards too is integration into the household so that it's not some it's not always transgressive like if i was to kick married people out i'd have like virtually no clientele i can't do that but I can teach them and say, hey, you know, I, I do give them the language and the opportunity and the ability to discuss it and mm-hmm. have their wives come forward and talk to me if they want it. But a lot of times they the the level of marriage isn't it's not there. Right. And that's because, you know, monogamy is their default and we get talked, we get told, you know, all the time that. It's wrong mm-hmm. to let your spouse. And that leads directly into what we were talking about today when we discuss our kink of cuckoldry. I also know that this is one of the most searched terms on porn sites. And it's, is it cucking? Cuckold? How do you pronounce it? Cuckoldry. 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 So I know yes. this is a fetish or kink where uh, one partner gets turned on by the thought or act of seeing their partner having sex with someone else. But where I'm a little confused, and let's start on 101 here, is I always thought the word cuckold meant a man who was unknowingly cheated on by his wife back in the day. How did it kind of morph into what it is now, um, completely swapping the definition of what it actually means? Well, I will tell you that the term cucking comes from the cuckoo bird, who um, often the male cuckoo bird will sit on eggs that he didn't necessarily have any biological part Oh, in. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes the female, you know, makes, you know, gets her eggs fertilized or gets fertilized by another male and her mate is the one who sits on it. So that's where that came from. Now, cuckoldry takes is so, there's so many layers to it. And it's the thing that makes me saddest about it right now is the negative connotation of the word cuck. Um, and a lot that it's, that's always kind of existed, but it, it got a renaissance thanks to Steve Bannon and fuckface Trump. They love to use the word cuck as an insult and they don't even like really using it in the right way. Um, 
they kind of use the terms beta and cuck interchangeably, right. and that couldn't be any more wrong. Um, yeah, he, they're this, basically saying that you're not a man. That's what they're equating it to, which makes yes. no sense, right? It's bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. In fact, I def I, I defy that because all the cucks that I know, they are not. There is nothing weak about them there's nothing not manly about them in fact i defy that explanation or that description and think that cucks are some of the emotionally strongest people i know because they completely have done the work in their marriage to get it to a if, if they're actively pursuing this fetish um they've done the work mm -hmm. the communication between the cuckold dress and the cuck the cuckold dress being the woman doing it um, with multiple partners. Um, there's some next level marriage work going I'm sure. on there. Yeah, I get uh -huh. There's a big difference between taking a fantasy, which I'm sure if you're a man and have a penis and you have a wife, you've probably thought about this at least once in your life, maybe more, sure. right? But there is a big jump from what's going on in your own head while you're masturbating to all of a sudden seeing your wife getting boned by another guy, right? That's a big, yeah. big jump than compared to some of these other kinks and fetishes we talked about. So I'm just curious, is this mainly a men watching their wives scenario? Is this a role play scenario? Is it a submission humiliation thing going on here? All of the above. Okay. D. All of the above. Um, so for some people, the cucking relates to a humiliation fetish. Like, oh God, you know, I can never, you know, be... So the man... It, that is that is doing the fucking of the cuckold dress. That's the bull. Okay. That man is called the bull, and um, it implies that he is of um, a higher degree of masculinity. Maybe he has a bigger dick. Maybe more sexual prowess. Everything. Right. He's right. just a bigger, so better, it, stronger man. Right. That's all it is. Right. And that, and that too is kind of BS as well. I mean, like I know some people from new york city and they straight up have engaged in this fetish for a long time and what it relates to for this particular couple is the woman likes a specific type of sex and her husband doesn't feel adequate mm -hmm. he sees her as this beautiful creature of sexual prowess and he loves her and he simply wants her to get her needs met and he doesn't feel capable of bullish type of sex and so he feels excited by her going out and getting it now a lot of times people think that cuckoldry is having the cuck watch it can or it can't be so voyeurism is optional in all this mm -hmm, very much so like i know a lot of cucks that will go to a party and their wives will go take you know, go like at a lifestyle club. Um, the, the cuck will be hanging out downstairs, having a drink at the bar, chatting with other men whose wives are having sex with other men upstairs. It, there's, there's a camaraderie there too. It, like I, I'm telling you, there is no one size fits all definition of cuckoldry. For some, it amps the jealousy up and jealousy is a, is a powerful aphrodisiac. Um, I've actually found that the humiliation is more popular when there's a, a female cuck known as a cuck queen who is um her husband 
is the one out having multiple partners. These women sort of buy more into oh the humiliation, the subservientness. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes women find comfort in subservience and they love it and that makes them feel healthy and whole. And for them, the little bit of humiliation is arousing. Okay. It's all so different. All and it's different in the heads of every mm-hmm. queen. You threw the term queen out. Um, is hot wife that term involved in cuckolding or is that something different? That's different. Hot wifing is a pride thing. Hot wifing is my wife is a super specimen. She's the hottest fucking bitch in town. My hot wife is going to fuck all you dudes and she is married to me. Check me okay. out. I don't give a shit. Like, this is my wife. She is married to me. She loves me. I don't give a shit who she fucks. Because she's my yeah, wife. At the end of the day, she's going to come I'm home to me. Her. And I, you know, we our relationship is so secure. And look at what I got. It's a pride. I got you. All hot wifing is all about pride and um, exhibitionism, voyeurism. That is out there. But it's, it's, there's nothing humiliating about it at all. And that comes from a very, very strong and secure place for that gentleman. And, and it all, and that is very adjacent to a term that I want to touch on in the poly world, which is, the idea of compersion. Have you heard that? I've never heard of the word compersion before. Enlighten me. So when people are in a poly relationship, compersion becomes the key component. Um, Compersion can be best described as feeling good about or feeling warm fuzzies, feeling positive feelings of support towards your partner's other relationships. So, um, for example, when I was dating in the pulley world, if I enjoyed seeing my partner having fun with his other partner, I was experiencing compersion. And I was actually talking to a submissive who is solo poly still. And I said, you know, I read an interesting definition today where compersion can be described as the lack of heartache, not having heartache over your partner's other activities. And he was like, you know, that really resonates. And it's like, yeah, because sometimes it's hard to reach compersion. Sometimes you want to be poly ethically, you're poly, you know, emotionally, you can handle it. But sometimes it you feel a twinge like, oh, man, you know, mm-hmm. look how much fun my partner is having with somebody else. Shit. And you can feel jealous. You, you can feel jealous. And I think it's a really good for people listening to understand that poly doesn't always just mean you have three or more people always having sex with one another, right? It's They could be oh, individual yeah. relationships here. Maybe there's, you know, two men and a woman and they have their own relationships and they all live under the same house. It doesn't mean they're all having sex together. Right. We call that kitchen table polyamory. When your partners, when all your partners can sit around in the same house together, we call that kitchen table polyamory. And not everybody wants that. Some people want, you know, the other, say the extramarital relationship to happen outside of the Mm -hmm. house completely and they don't want it at their kitchen table. But some people do. I'm better with kitchen table polyamory. I love introducing another term, metamor. Whoever, like, Mine was not in a relationship with my partner's partner. She was my metamor. She was not my paramour. She was my metamor. Um, I love my metamors. I loved hanging out with my metamors. I love watching TV and cooking with my metamors. Um, I like kitchen table polyamory. I like that our shared partner came home to us and we were like she and I could just sit on the couch 
and watch TV together while he worked. It it, it didn't feel competitive to us. Right, because you were both in a place where you weren't jealous, and you were just essentially what good friends who just happened to be dating yeah. the same person. You can say that a cuck might. So here's a difference. Here's one of these little like splitting hairs things. Cucking is a fetish. It is not a relationship style. Polyamory is a relationship style. Cucking, cuckoldry is a fetish. It is rooted in sexuality where compersion, feeling good is not. Cuckoldry involves an arousal at the idea or the act of your partner having sexual relations with someone else. There's an arousal. Mm -hmm. That's what defines the kink. I get turned on. At the thought of X, Y, Z. Right. That's not the same as compersion. I suppose you could feel compersion in the same moment, but like, you know, if my husband was- There's a difference between arousal and acceptance, and I think that's really the line that you're talking about here. Right. And what poly men get painted with the cuck brush far too often. They are not the same thing. A man who is secure and confident in seeing his woman have another partner or another lover, that is not beta. Mm -hmm. That is not, that is not, he is not a little bitch. He is elevated. He is strong. He has done the emotional work. And he is feeling compersion for his partner's experience. And we sometimes we can say in poly, like, you know, when you get married, if you're in a monogamous relationship, your spouse is your sun, your moon, and your stars. You know, they are your everything. Mm-hmm. All of it, your best friend, it's all wrapped up into your spouse. In poly, it's like, okay, one person is my sun, one person is my moon, and someone else can be my stars. Mm-hmm. And one of one or many of those can be platonic, but you're still in a relationship. Like I, as I get older, I'm a little I become more and more demisexual, which means I have I don't feel sexual attraction towards somebody unless there is an emotion like strong emotional connection. When I was younger, I could I could sleep around. I mean, not to paint myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Yeah, I had like a lot, a lot of, sex. of people. I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Right? <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. I can own it. I, I did my thing, um, and I didn't ever feel shame at what I was doing. And I learned to embrace different relationship styles simply because I wasn't. I didn't feel threatened by somebody else's sexuality. I didn't feel like I had to be somebody's everything. I mm-hmm. hey I, I'm I'm okay if you if you really have a crush on that woman, I'm okay with you loving both of us. And it's a difficult place to get to. I would say I was better at it before I got sick with cancer cuz the cancer kind of fucked with my um kind of fucked with my self-confidence a little bit and I'm you know, that's a journey that I get to undergo now and it's exciting in itself because I get to sort of relearn my own boundaries and my own abilities. And it requires an awful lot of conversation with my spouse who Mm -hmm. is nothing short of miraculous and how supportive he is. And I can say, you know, I'm having a jealousy issue with this today. And we talk about Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's not the default. Like I don't just let my jealousy stand. Right. And going back to the top of the segment here, you, said that Mm -hmm. people who are really into this have such a high emotional IQ, they understand where they are with that, right? And that's that's where it really becomes a difference between fantasy and reality. Once it becomes real, you really need to understand that what you're getting into here. So say you're interested in experimenting with this. Maybe you've talked about it with a partner before. 
I'm sure the uh -huh. first steps are you clear your boundaries with each other, you try to figure out, you talk about it, you move past that, the communication's open. I imagine there's some safety rules along the line here that are the same as most hookup apps, right? You don't, first mm -hmm. meeting should be in public places, use condoms, you know, from a safety point of view, all those basics are in place. Yeah. How can people start finding bulls or going around getting their feet wet with this whole uh, idea of cuckoldry? So I always recommend to couple couples who want to explore this first step is fantasy when you're having one-on-one -on -one partnered sex use your words discuss the fantasy say someone's going down on you start talking use your dirty talk say i'm imagining someone sucking your cock while you're doing this to me and she's doing this to you mm -hmm. and blah 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 like roll it out and you're talking develop fantasies and go back and forth um, try things out, try permutations in the fantasy realm. Like you get like, sometimes things won't feel good even in the moment. I want this other girl to do this to me and then I want to completely ignore you and leave you out of the picture. Uh, no, that doesn't no, work. That doesn't, that's an extreme, extreme example. Like I'm going to pin her up against the wall and you're going to watch. I'm going to be like, nope, no, that is not what I want. What I want is you're not pinning her up against the wall. I'm pinning you to her like i'm holding your hips i'm pushing your hips inside of i'm pushing i'm the one generating the thrust not you i'm fucking you while you're fucking her right there, there's a play there's like and you and you have to go through all of the things that feels good and when when you get to a point where like okay we have a solid fantasy we have a solid plan the next step roll it out online Play on websites. Uh, hold on one, one second there. Uh, along those same lines, this just popped in my head. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a way to you develop your, your scenario there. And say the scenario is like you said before, she goes upstairs, has sex with a guy, comes down, you go home, have fun, right? That kind of cuckolding. Uh -huh. is, it, is it okay to maybe play out that role play scenario without her now actually doing it? Say she just goes to Target, comes back and tells you that, right? That's yes. another safe way of figuring out how yeah. how much that jealousy may flare, right? That's that's right. the real thing you want to control is jealousy, I would imagine, in these situations. You could, you, jealousy is hard. And um, that's where compersion and arousal come in because the compersion, like there's an element of it with cuckoldry and that is you want people to feel good about it after the orgasm happens because we've all had like i don't know how else to say it like buyer's remorse you you jerk off to something post not clarity and yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> we've all had post not clarity that's a term every man out there is now it's like did i really just do that to what i just watched okay i learned something about myself did i just really get turned on by that it, yeah well, I've been i always there. say I I'll, I'll always watch there. at least um I'll, I'll watch that porn a second time to see if it was true or not you know that's the only way to figure it out right right <laughs> right and that's important to know because you want during that post not clarity like you you because here, here's the thing too um you want to have that because sometimes Man, I hate to bring it back to this, but it's so true. I won't, and I won't even just limit it to men, but sometimes when in that post-nut clarity, anger can mm -hmm. arise and um, people get hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to slap the dick out of their wife's mouth. They want to 
like violence can ensue. So I always recommend role playing the shit out of everything. So if somebody's like, I'm not saying that like if people have violent tendencies, I mean, I'm pretty sure that those, you know, are not just going to be activated by a kink. But I mean, one of the strongest things that I think it goes back to one of your biggest things about the whole community you talked about in the first episode you script it out and stay to the script, right? That's another great uh-huh. way to prevent you have the role play. You just you decide whether the cuck wants to watch, wants to be part of the action, whether they want to have the aftermath. I don't know, the afterglow, whatever yes. it is. So make sure you yes. stick to the script, especially when you're trying this out to avoid that jealousy and the anger flare-ups that may may come up. So I developed my model for how to behave in rolling out a kink or trying out a kink um, for the first time from my old playbook on how to have a successful threesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, so when you're just trying threesomes out for the first time, sometimes you say if it's an MMF scenario and you have two men that you're entertaining and say one of them is your partner, your partner who is your your person, they can say, I'm comfortable with you kissing. I'm comfortable with you having your hand on their cock. I'm not comfortable with you giving a blowjob or being fucked. Mm-hmm. When you go into that room, when you go into that sex club, you stick to that. Mm-hmm. You don't even if your partner, your existing partner says, you know what? This is really hot. Suck his dick. Don't do it. Don't move the needle in the moment. Go home. Talk about it. Play it out. You know, you, you can model mm-hmm. it. You model it, but you never change in the middle because when you have that post nut clarity, it's jealousy it's pain Mm -hmm. it's anger and i've seen it rebound i've seen men i've watched this play out in lifestyle clubs where the man gets all aroused wants to see his wife do x y and z she does it they go home and he beats the shit out of her for it it's not fucking safe but even (laughs) even if it doesn't turn to physical violence i'm sure there's plenty more scenarios where people are trying this for the first time and they're resent her for doing something, right? There's a mental, emotional conflict here that's generated from his own actions that he's not properly communicating. Oh, yeah, and completely lay all the blame at her feet. I can't get the image of you sucking his dick out of my head. I can't believe that anymore, right? It's so stupid. Oh, it's exhausting. And you know what? It just doesn't, it's just not cricket. You know, so that's why I say do everything glacially slow. Mm-hmm. You can roll the, you can get to a point with all of these things, but you have to be careful. And so, like one thing that um I've found as in my phone sex life is that um I will have couples who call me and they want me the third party to listen because they're working up to mm-hmm. it. They're getting the wife in that scenario is getting used to another woman's presence and it's safe. She can hang up the phone whenever she wants, and I can follow their lead. They can say, we want you to say this part. We want you to role play that part. And I say, okay, this is my role. This is, I'm getting her comfortable. And then I avail myself to the woman afterwards to say, do you want to talk about any of this? Right? Yeah. Can I, you want to talk about your feelings? Like. Have him hang up. I'm sure there's a lot of making sure that she doesn't feel like she has to do it or pressured to do this, right? That's a big part of this. Otherwise, there's going to be jealousy on the other side. Dan Savage coined the phrase polyamory under duress. Mm. 
polyamory under duress doesn't fucking work. And like he, he had one of the greatest greatest callers <laughs> recently and I fucking love Dan Savage. His caller was like, "My wife just had a baby 6 months ago and now I want her to open up the marriage because I'm not getting the sex I need." And Dan Savage, bless his heart, a gay man ripped that man apart saying i'm a gay man and i even know that you're a fucking asshole like give your wife five minutes to recover from having your kid and don't fucking talk to her when her hormones are all crazy and life is not settled into opening up your marriage fuck you like that was the right answer fuck you you're going about it the wrong way she's exhausted it's nothing but selfish behavior right yeah Sorry, right. just go go in and, the other room, watch porn, and jerk off if it's that big a deal. It's going to pass. <laughs> yeah, and and then that's like that's why there is a role for porn in the world. And like I confess, I've gotten really jealous of porn in my life. I have a weakness for that, you know, because I sometimes feel like oh, I can't compete with the girls in the porn. And it's not about that. It's just you know, like if I'm watching it, do I feel like my husband's in competition? No. So why would I think that I'm in any sort of competition with them? But it relates back to my own insecurities. Uh-huh. It points to work that I need to do right. to get this to happen. You know, I wish there were times when I was sick. I wished that I had like some next level poly shit going on in my life. I wished that my character, I'm going to get emotional. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wish that my partner, my husband, I wish that I had been so elevated to say, you know what? Someone else can come babysit me while I barf my guts out. You deserve a day to go get your dick wet. Mm. I wish that I had been that fucking elevated. Mm-hmm. I would have been so fucking proud of myself, but I wasn't there. And can I beat myself up for it? Sure, because I'm really good at that. But should no, I? No, you should you know? There's no point in self-flagellating <laughs> over that because that's the default human nature there. Like a lot of what we're right. talking about here is elevated IQ, emotion, elevated emotionally to people who uh, it goes against the norm. It makes your brain hurt when you think about trying to do some of these <laughs> things, right? It just rubs it the wrong way. It really does. And I want to say too that like I was speaking to a friend about this recently and the notion that poly men are somehow beta is just so bullshit. And I wish that poly men weren't painted with the beta brush because they're not like the fact that a man is so secure and say you know what i got this going on i love my partner and she has this other interest she likes this sex thing or this relationship thing maybe it's just picnic lunches maybe she wants to take picnic lunches all the time and i don't have a fucking give a snot about picnic lunches well you know what i'm okay with her going out with someone else to do picnic lunches Mm -hmm. polly can be romantic and not sexual like you know it can be love it can be you know it can be purely sexual it can be purely emotional it can be anything else but the idea that a man is somehow weak because he accepts that his partner gets gets a need met by somebody other than him there is nothing i'm I'm sure there's a lot of scenarios there where one partner's into a certain kink the other one's not into right so go go knock your socks off right that's a whole it's not cockolding it's something else but i'm sure there's those scenarios where you do you you do that once a month that's fine whatever there you go you just described like 95 percent of my submissive clientele their spouses you know have dabbled in their kink sometimes it's spanking i have people that come and they just want 10 minutes of being spanked their pants don't come off they just want to be spanked you know i'm not doing anything to them sexually i'm not doing anything to them that 
I mean, maybe they're aroused under their pants. I'm not seeing it. You know, they're not bringing me their heart on. They're not making it about that. They're not masturbating while they're doing, while I'm spanking them. I'm just spanking them. And that's just what they need. And then they go home to their spouse and their spouse knows that they like spanking. Their spouse has an idea that they're getting this need met somewhere, but it's not in their face, Mm -hmm. which isn't great, but at least it's something, you know, all the almost all of the married people that I see wish that their spouse was a part of it. It's not even about cheating. They're coming to see a pro because they don't want an established emotional connection with anybody else outside of the marriage. And they wish to God that their spouse would do the sexy Mm -hmm. thing that I'm doing. And that breaks my heart a little bit. And I try all the time. I try to move couples to a place of what I call integration. I want them to be able to integrate their kinks into their marriage and ultimately not have to come see a professional anymore. Mm So let's get back to, we just, we established the baseline. The, the couple talked about this. They're trying to move mm-hmm. the fantasy into reality for a little bit here for the cuckoldry. Mm-hmm. How does one go about finding the bull or finding the cuck, cuck queen, cuck queen? I don't know. Cuck queen or the cuckoldress or, okay. So the, um, all these terms. All right. Let's see if there is, like there's some of them are really cute. So if is a female who enjoys her husband having multiple partners she is the cuck queen and in that situation the the female equivalent of the bull is the cuck cake that's a cute term let's try to get that um, trending on porn i'm sure that's cute you know <laughs> yeah you know i mean so this is where lifestyle clubs and almost every i'm pretty sure not almost that every major metropolitan area has a sex club a swingers club or you know otherwise known as a lifestyle club i love these places they're so they're awesome for me like i don't have a membership to any of them here in 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 washington i did in new york but they were fantastic places for me it's a place where sexual activity is allowed and sometimes i could just walk in there do the spanking, do the flogging, do whatever, and I'm not in danger of being hurt mm-hmm. because some there's other eyes watching, and I'm not in danger. You know, it just and and to just show up there, you have to show your ID. You have to. Um, sometimes they want paperwork to show that you've been recently tested for STIs. Sometimes That's great to hear. you go in. Yeah, you like the ones that I've been to. It's kind of weird, not weird, but it's just kind of it's kind of. Um, shocking the first time because i'm somebody who's typically shy i'm a little shy about my body because i'm a chonky girl i'm bbw <laughs> and uh, i don't look like um sofia vergara damn it and i go to these places and i would get so scared um because you check your clothes at the door like you walk in and there's lockers and you put your clothing away and you get a towel and there are bowls of condoms everywhere but you are unfucking dressed and i have a hard time being naked but i tell you like a lot of them don't allow drinking that's smart too yeah right like you know some some do some don't um but all of it is designed to be safe, sane, and consensual. So for me, like, if you're looking for a bull, um, fat life, 
I said, that seems a lot safer than, say, the grinders or the tinders out there, right? You know, I get that dating apps are a thing. I have not had any significant luck on dating apps. I think um, there's a commodification of sex thanks to dating apps like Tinder. People just go out, they fuck, they go home, and there's something so lost in the exchange it's kind of to me i kind of look at the dating apps in the way that text lingo has fucked with the human language and i mean granted i have a salty mouth but i still do like my vocabulary and text lingo kind of it just mm-hmm. uh, tinder and grinder just sort of give you that instant gratification without having necessarily build the skills that really goes into some of these deep relationship kind of uh models right Exactly right. Skills, skills is the is the key word right there. Like like I was saying, text texting lingo has um, decreased the amount of ability that people have. I read a, I read an article about this quite a few years ago now, but it was saying that people. Um, I hate to do this. Sorry, millennials. It was pointing to millennials, and it was probably written by a boomer. And I'm sorry, but what they were saying was that millennials don't have the same language arch skills. Um, than Gen X and Boomer counterparts because they simply don't talk as much. You're not typing, you're not emailing, you're texting, Uh you're not speaking, you're not having phone conversations where you're developing your language skills. You're using short form language. And I think having this short form sexual relationship cheapens the emotional experience like you're i feel like in a way you're kind of cauterizing out the emotional aspect of the sexual experience when you're just having hookups yeah you don't have to go to the bar anymore and try to you know (laughs) come up with the pickup lines none of that stuff it's just hey you up yeah like you know I, (laughs) i can't tell you before i got married people when i was i did between relationships um between the last significant one I had and my husband, I was on Bumble and Tinder. I just fucking hated right straight out of the gate. I was like, Ugh. Tinder dates. There's just like a whole level of callousness on mm-hmm. Tinder. I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I didn't have the right experience. And if you want to email me um, to tell me your story, I would love to. Oh, we should do <laughs> a whole segment of Tinder hear. horror stories. Send those in. We'd love to talk about I, them pick them apart and figure out how to avoid those situations in the future. Tinder pitfalls. Conversely, I want to know Tinder success stories too. You know, I met my husband online. I met my husband on World of Warcraft, which I wasn't looking. I was done. Like you couldn't, you can't be any more done than giving up and being like, I'm going to play video games for the rest of my fucking life. I have no interest in dating. And then boom, I meet my husband in the one place where I was certain I wasn't going to get any, you know, (laughs) traction. I was so not interested in dating. You know, I got a husband. (laughs) It can happen. There is success stories, right? (laughs) Hold out hope. You just got to find a way to start the initial conversation. I mean, usually it probably works better behind a keyboard and type first if you're nervous and and don't have the confidence in what's going on, Um, you know, just to open that up. And I think our, our relationship evolved without us being concerned about what each other looked like or the appearances mm-hmm. we simply were appealing to each other's minds like i had seen a picture of my husband I thought, oh he's cute and i'd send him a picture of me but that wasn't what we were responding mm-hmm. to it wasn't physical it wasn't chemical it was all mental all emotional and you know we started dating and it was seven months 
from the day that we met when we actually met in person, which is actually three years ago or five years ago this month. And our wedding, our third wedding anniversary was this month too. 2017, January 1st, I was like, I'm not going to go out dancing. I'm going to stay home and play video <laughs> games. And I met someone. And then seven months later, I had met him in person. And 10 months from that first date, I was moving out to see him. So I hate the, I hate the, um, platitudes of love doesn't happen when you're looking for it uh, that's not true like it's also not true is you don't necessarily have to love yourself before anyone else can love you that's very cute and all to say but if you're still struggling with yourself you're still in my estimation very 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 worthy of love just try to be healthy as much as you can before mm -hmm. mixing your life with somebody else's campsite rule I am not going to leave you high and dry on the nerdy dorky comment. Um, I gotta say, I know my wife and I play World of Warcraft 2, and ironically, uh, the new release of Wrath of the Lich King Classic um, is actually coming out on our wedding anniversary. So we're, we're gonna be able to play this game that we're looking forward to on our wedding anniversary. Hopefully have a little fun, take a break, you know, eat a bit, hump a bit, sleep a bit, play a bit, eat a bit, you know, we'll just do that all weekend. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know what? <laughs> You know what's you know what you know what's sexy that goes with this is from my personal experience a sexy thing well I'm a foodie but I love um, charcuterie boards for days oh like yeah that. make a nice charcuterie board and then you can game you can fool around and your snacks are right there you don't have to worry about stopping to prepare food in the moment you do that you have all order your... two pizzas you're good to go for the rest of the next weekend right pizza <laughs> <Pizza> charcuterie. <laughs> You know, because charcuterie is basically deconstructed pizza without the tomato sauce, so you might as well put it all together. <laughs> Damn it, now I want pizza. But I'm going to have to go put what I took out of the yeah. freezer for dinner away, because I'm going to be like, I want pizza. Uh, I know we've got distracted here, but I think there's one more pertinent question about cuckoldry that I would like to put out there. You find partners through those means that you mentioned. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's probably part of this fantasy that involves someone you know versus someone who is a stranger. And I would imagine if you're getting your feet wet and starting with this, you want to avoid someone you know, right? <laughs> yes. Don't piss in the pool. Don't, don't shit where you eat. I mean, I guess yeah. that usually applies I mean, I don't to... care. Maybe the husband's got a hot friend or whatever the scenario may be. Avoid that at first, right? I, I'm just, I'm gonna, yeah. like, my own gut says that's wrong and I just wanted to be affirmed by you. I've had that happen where I was, when I was young and dumb, I had a best friend and I brought her into my bedroom one night and it was it's funny like this was like total compersion on my part. I was not attracted to my best friend. I mean, I think she's beautiful. Um, but I thought she was beautiful. I loved my boyfriend. My friend wasn't getting any sex and my boyfriend was great in bed. So I was like you know what? You're spending the night over the night. I don't care. Have sex with my boyfriend in my bed with me. Have the sex that you deserve with somebody who I care about, who I can assure. And I'm watching and I wasn't turned on by the experience. I think this is <laughs> like this is like my earliest poly like foray on X. You know? Well, this is where you come up with all this advice you learned. She and I were longer together. Like her friendship was more secure than my relationship was. Um, this The sex happened. I had sex. She got laid. He was happy. Um, she went back to the room where she was sleeping. And for the night, he and I slept in bed together. And the next day, I went to work. And she was still staying for another day. But I had to do my job. When they went out to the mall that day, he tried to fool around with her. 
without me. And she was like, fuck you. That is not what is happening mm-hmm. here. And I was not mad at my friend, but I was pretty pissed at my mm-hmm. boyfriend. Be like, you know what? I literally just handed you pussy last yeah. night. And now you're slapping me in the face by uh, with adultery. That wasn't what we agreed right. on. Stick you know, to the script. And that, rela- that relationship didn't last. And the friendship mm-hmm. didn't. Because he had transgressed my boundary, which was... Where she put up the, the I, reinforcing know, I, wall saying, no, I'm not screwing you over. I'm, I'm not going to piss you off. I was 19. And I thought, you know, oh, you know, I just care about my friend and I love my boyfriend and I want them both to have this experience. But don't fuck me mm-hmm. over, you know, like I was so kind of like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, I just like, I like did this next level emotional equivalent, like emotionally intelligent thing. And... You, you shot me. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. I just gave you that's this bull. present and now you're saying that's not good enough? That's really what's happening here. Yeah, right. And whereas if he had been like... Now, if, if you would have came home from work and he said, hey, you, you guys want to try this again, it'd probably be a different story if he asked and talked about it. Uh-huh. If he said, you know, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed having sex with her. Can we do that again? And like he was making us dinner or, you know, and somehow including both mm-hmm. of us. I would not have felt right. jealousy. I would have said, hey, you know, you guys enjoyed each other's bodies together. And I probably would have been turned on seeing my husband and my best friend had I felt included and loved. Mm-hmm. Your boyfriend and your your friend there. I'm just correcting. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, my husband would not. My husband is like the most, you know, incredible individual on the planet. He is. Ugh, he's just out. I can't. I'm going to get misty if I talk about <laughs> how awesome my husband is. But yeah, he's incredible. And that boyfriend was not. And that's why he's not my husband now. <laughs> Moral of the story, don't screw over Miss Kama. She will cut you out of her life. So with that, I think we should move on to everyone's favorite segment. It's uh, questions for Miss Kama here. So this hey. first one is uh, topical uh, based on the, the topic of this episode. So okay, I'm, ready. I'm a poly guy and I enjoy MMF play, but I am not a cuck mm-hmm. and I am not bi. I just truly enjoy seeing my partner experience new people, pleasures, and sensations. How do I clarify my intentions and establish myself as not a cuck to both her and our mutual partners? Well, using your words, say exactly that. Say, I am not a cuck. It's in, and one thing that I think is so important in the sexual realm and any realm really is being able to be clear and concise with what you want and what you mean. Spell everything out because the the poly world we don't default to cook we default to compersion that sounds to me like there is some real compersion going on there is poly you know and if he wants to say to the to the spout to the the partner in question say i i'm this is does not sexually arouse me for you to be with the other man but i do feel happy for you when you do that um you can say that yeah. it's important to say what you are and what you're looking for expressly or in certain scenarios here i don't know this specific situation here it's i just enjoy banging you with another guy i'm not i'm not attracted to the other guy right i'm not bi i i don't want to do anything Mm -hmm. with the man i just enjoy putting you in a situation where you're getting a lot of pleasure right Right, because that's that that like also kind of weaves in hot wifing too. Hot wifing often sometimes involves um, MMF things. If you just enjoy that, then just say, "I like the sexual component. I and I am aroused 
by watching you with other men, but I'm not a cuck because I'm participating. There you go. His, participa- his participation is the linchpin that keeps it from being cuck. I need to just put, you know, bring up something that I feel like is important that I didn't touch on before. A lot of cucks enjoy the service aspect of cuckoldry. They want to serve their wife. Some of them like to clean up. Like for a mm. lot of cucks, it pleases them to clean their wife to have a ritual i know a couple that he would give her la perla lingerie the very nicest most luxe lingerie like their new year's tradition was he would give her lingerie and she would go out and have sex and he would stay home and watch porn and masturbate or he would have his own date um with not another female but another male that's that was their dynamic is there he's by. So service is a very important part of it for some people, They for some cooks. They want to be – and I know cooks that um, that work chastity into it too. They want to be in chastity while their spouse is out having sex. That There's just so many ways to layer this kink. Um, wife swapping comes to mind, sharing. Um, and sometimes – Two people, men very often who are bi-curious or just like to watch women in porn. Like there's no, they, they, there's a scale there. Sometimes you can enjoy seeing a man enjoy your wife and it doesn't have to, it's not emotional and it's just chemical, but it's, but there's no disrespect implied, you know, and there's, it's just like, Mm -hmm. I love her. I like watching, you know, men have sex with women. I want the woman that I'm watching have sex with. It's like real life porn. You know, it's just taking something that is in the zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. which is men watch porn constantly. I mean, people watch porn constantly, and I think that's great. Um, Mm -hmm. But it says, okay, this is something that I got habituated to watching in porn, and now I want to act it out. But I want to act it out in a safe, sane, and consensual mm-hmm. way. I like this. But I don't want to touch him. We don't want to cross swords. No crossing swords. You know? <laughs> and yeah. I know plenty of guys that enjoy doing DP on a woman and they're not bi at all. They're not gay at all. They don't get. They don't care about the man. But it's something that they're enjoying seeing their partner, female partner, experience. Well, thank you for answering that question. And really, it comes Mm -hmm. down to participation and intent, right? You define your intention with everyone involved, set your boundaries up, have that conversation. And don't move the the needle in the moment. Whatever you're going to go into that scenario saying that you're going to do, play out the fantasy, have the fantasy, talk it to death. Do this fantasy 50 times in the bedroom before you add somebody else. Um, because that's fair to the other person because you don't want to have an emotional outburst and make the other person feel unsafe. And and that's why you don't that's why you don't always roll it out with like sometimes it's like, ooh, I really want to see my wife or their best friend. Well, try it out with somebody who's more low risk than that. So if there is post nut clarity or there is some buyer's remorse on you know, there's 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 no friendships impacted by it. You know, in my early days of doming, I kid you not one thing that I used to do all the time was in-bedroom sex coaching. I believe it. People would come to where I worked. They would find me and they'd say, you know, you're so well-versed in sexual terms. I'm having a disconnect. Will you come watch me have sex with my wife and just tell us where we're going fucking wrong? And I 
loved this. This was, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've like tripped over kids' toys at midnight sneaking <laughs> in the house to help. You would never, like people that you yeah. would just think were the most villainous people, and they were, they just needed help in their sex life. There was a disconnect. And I go, oh, 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 that's it. We're, the way you're touching her, too rough. That hurts. I can see the look on her face that you're pushing too hard and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to tell you that you're being ham-fisted with your fingers or you're licking too hard or you're fingering, finger-banging uh, Especially in a world without the internet back then, right? People didn't have, how do I make her right. come go to Google, right? And even then, it's still a mystery <laughs> yep. to all of us. I still don't know where the freaking clit is, you know, no matter how many times I try to Google it, right? So there's this <laughs> angle and then there's this spot and this spot, but none of those spots seem to work, so. Right. Like I would, I would be able to take his hand and say, not like that, mm-hmm. like this. And I would, you know, help him. Or I'd say, no, honey, you're using too much teeth during that blowjob. Your husband looks like his head is about to pop off because yeah. you're using teeth. You know, then I would have a toy in my hand. Sweetie, not like that. Try this. And I wasn't sucking his dick. Right. I would suck a toy. Right. But I'm teaching. And it was authentic and it was caring. And I helped them have better sex. And it made me feel good. Shit. I wish that was like my whole job all the time <laughs> it was that fun I'm sure. <laughs> it was nice you, know, you get people who were like i would get cards at christmas thank you for saving our marriage <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's the truth it is god's honest truth i would help people and if i don't know i felt like this younger version of dr ruth just sitting on some the edge of somebody's bed with my yeah. clipboard you know going no honey you're yeah. doing that wrong try this you know yeah. it was fun All right, so let's move on to uh, the last question of the episode here. And this is coming um, directly from someone who listened to our first episode. So, (gasps) yeah, it's exciting. During your first episode, I kept hearing Miss Kami use the term subspace. What is it, and how do submissive people achieve it? Oh, damn. It's different. Subspace is like a fingerprint, and I wish there was an easy rubric to answer that. So, subspace. Um, I've never been in it, I've watched it happen million times subspace is a magical land (laughs) where my subs go where i have removed the responsibilities the problems the pain everything it's sacred i subspace is where people go when they are getting their submissive needs met um i am leaning into their kink i am reaching for the fullest expression of their fetish. And for some people, it relates to arousal. And for some people, arousal is just the portal that gets them there. But it looks different for everyone too. But I I see it. I I know when some of my subs hit subspace because their language changes, they become a little bit less able to use their words and communicate. Um, It's a flutter. I watch their eyes roll back and the lines, just like everything in their countenance softens and they just look blissful. And that's what I'm reaching for. I don't experience that as a top and the fact that I have never, I swear to God, Stephen, I have tried to be sub so many times because God damn it, it looks really good. But the counterpoint to that is what I call my flare. When I'm in a dominant flare, I can and will do things that my not flaring mind would be shocked at. Like some of these pain modalities that I experienced, I didn't think I would 
out of my flair, I can't believe I fucking did some mm-hmm. of the things that I did. In the flair, it feels like I am this incredible nexus of the universe, that it is my power, it is my domination, it is my dominion, you're in my space that I have made safe, and I am just like feeling it, and I am dominant in waves, and they are pulsing out of me, and I am administering the kink, I am doing the thing, it is the whip, it is the paddle, it is the needle, it is whatever the fuck it is but they are getting their needs met and i have the power and they are in bliss and i feel my flare of joy like it's it feels so good to me and so authentic to me these dominant flares what drives that like if you were to describe what's going through your head when i'm gonna say dom space for lack of a better term is it the fact that you're controlling their pleasure is it the euphoria that you could just generate in the the room that you're in is that all going through your head it is. It's different for every dom now. And I, I've had mixed experience with doms in my life. I wish I had more female dom friends to be able to talk about this stuff too. And I got burnt by a lot of doms in my younger years. There's a lot of cattiness among doms sometimes. And that makes me sad because ultimately I love women and I want women to be supportive of each other always. But so my dom, I don't really know how it relates to other women, but for me, I am primarily and this is the prestige and i I don't mean prestige in terms of high estimation but i mean in terms of prestige of the magician's trick where um it's the flourish right the thing that that's the trick it's the magic the prestige is that the dom is not actually in control it is the sub that is in control ultimately and because if you're a dom yeah a submissive has has submitted to you. They have given you this energy. They've given you this gift, this trust, this beautiful aspect of themselves that is so private and so important. And some doms treat that like the humiliatrixes are like, you're a piece of shit, you're trash, blah, blah, fuck you. You know, I'm in control. For some doms, it is a power thing. They want that. Mm -hmm. They feed on that power. For me, I love i'm service oriented i love to see people be authentically happy when i see that my sub is getting their needs met and it's coming from me and my skills and my energy that's what makes me feel really good i can push into it a little bit harder i can lean into it sometimes i can be more of a caricature of the classic dom but that's all because it's relating back to the joy that they're experiencing sometimes things that don't look good or feel good to me when i see somebody else like there are some pain modalities that i can't possibly imagine feel good but when i see my sub i'm you know their eyes are fluttering and they're breathing hard and they're in bliss i can't judge that for them and i can do the thing that i would think that i Mm -hmm. could not do i can administer that one more rib kick i can dig my high heel more deeply (laughs) into their chest while i'm standing on them all 200 pounds of me standing on their chest what all without moving the needle being in control making sure everything's safe you're still in control of of the situation there right you're giving them what they they're looking for which i imagine is a power trip in its own self it is. It is. It's because it's a gift. It's a gift. I would get sub girls all the time who are like, my dom did this and I didn't like it. My dom did that. My dom fucked another woman and I feel like shit about that. And I, th- you know, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, you know what? You're missing here, sweetheart. 
and that is your self-worth. Just because you're submissive doesn't mean that you don't need to have self-worth. Like you can like submission is not weakness in the same way that um um person who shares their spouse is a cuck. Um not every sub sub submissiveness is not this is not synonymous with weakness. They are strong motherfuckers. I want my subs to be titans of fucking industry. I want them strong. I want them able to kick through a brick fucking wall. I want them to feel good all mm-hmm. the time. I want them to be top of their game, feeling full of themselves and in love with themselves because their submission, that agency is a fucking gift. And if you lay that at my feet, I don't want you weak-willed and lily-livered and frightened all the time in the world. Yeah, sure you can be, but don't bring me that part. Empower them and yeah, get them to where they need to be to be fulfilled, not just in this bedroom during this act, but in life. That's really what you're, you're talking about here. My dominance is directly related to how happy I make the people with it. My subs, I want them happy. I want them fulfilled. I am I am a service professional. I might be a dom, but I am 100% a service professional. I'm trying to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like one happy kingster at a time. And that just happens to be my skill set. My place on this earth is to make a safe and healthy spot for people to get this stuff for it because I would rather their whole life be integrated. I would rather their kinks be integrated at home. And sometimes the most successful thing mm-hmm. that I can do is make sure that someone doesn't need me anymore. And that can be really hard. You know, they come to me all fucked up about their kink and then they get better and then they get into a relationship where they're getting their kink needs met. It's bye bye Miss Kama, but you know what? I did my fucking job. Real managers and real therapists will tell you the same thing. Those who are real leaders say the same thing. I want to make myself replaceable. I want to make myself not needed. Well, that makes me feel better because ultimately I want happy, healthy kingsters. And if they're happy and healthy and their spouse is not willing to play, well, then you know what? Sometimes I'm a marriage counselor because sometimes I make marriages last longer, even though there is a transgression, because if he or she, and I have had females, yeah, I've had female subs, it's been a while. Um, if they're getting their needs met, then they go home happy. You know, like sometimes cheating is the least worst option because you want to have a companionate marriage is functioning, it's stable, and it's serving a purpose. But, you know, if one spouse has decided I don't want to have sex anymore, I don't think it's fair to just like unilaterally quarterize the sex life of the other existing partner. That's kind of fucked up. You know, and that's like the default of monogamy. Like a woman, traditionally a woman hits menopause. She doesn't want sex anymore. And can you fucking blame her? Because there's like absolutely no fucking societal precedence for amplifying the sexuality of the postmenopausal woman. Hi, my new soapbox. <laughs> this is what I'm jumping right the fuck on. Because mm-hmm. I have had such a ride trying to advocate for my sexuality as a post post chemo cancer survivor they're like my doctors are like well are you able to have sex without pain and i'm like no and they're like is it fun and i said no i want my sex drive back i want it back like i -hmm. had to ask my doctor the other day i said can i have a testosterone palette i have no sex drive or not the way i used to like for months i was completely anorgasmic and that felt like someone had stripped away something really integral in my life and for men they make viagra 
or penile implants, but there ain't shit for women until I found my four-year awaken oil. <laughs> you know, here's my shill. That, that stuff's great. Um, we've used it. Uh, actually, my wife, um, similar situation. She recently got mm-hmm. prescribed some medication for ADHD, dealing with some depression, and mm-hmm. her sex drive mm-hmm. tanked, right? So the Foria helped, um, but just recently she had a, a virtual meeting with her prescriber and she brought it up. Hey, I'm having mm-hmm. this problem with my sex drive. I'm just not having it. And it mm-hmm. was a male a prescriptionist and he goes well how bad is it do you really care do you, would you rather have cure or would you rather have sex and she was like could you imagine i i mean no. as a man we would no. never hear that conversation we would never like no but as a woman and me walking past and hearing that i wanted to go through the freaking pc so screen fucking... and strangle this guy it's like yeah, are you really, really going do. to say that this guy probably is an old old bastard, and he's probably sitting there <laughs> popping 72 Viagra every week just to have his own fun, but he doesn't seem to care. Like, that's not new. Would you rather have these problems solved, or right. would you rather have sex? That's the ultimatum? There's got to be a middle ground. Right, and it, it drives me crazy, and that happens all the time. And, like, in my own journey, they're like, well, the goal is for you to be able to have sex that's not painful. And I'm like, that's not fucking good enough. I want sex that feels good. And it's fulfilling. Like, it bugs me that I can't have sex the way that I used to. And So your doctor just sees you as a hole for your husband? Yeah. That's really what he's saying there. Exactly. And that's and therein lies. Now you now that we retain this, my own experience back full circle, now you can understand why I had jealousy issues with the women in the porn that my husband was masturbating to. Because mm-hmm. I – there's the tears. <laughs> I – you felt you felt like you couldn't fulfill that role. I did. And it killed you. I did. Right. Not, and yeah. it wasn't that like. And sometimes like my own lack of interest fucks me up because you know my husband's fourteen years younger than me, and he deserves to be able to bang someone the way he wants to, and he doesn't because he can't with me. So I wish that I had been more elevated to say, you know what, go fuck a pussy that can handle it. I can't. But I just wasn't there and I got jealous and I got upset and I'm still working through my shit. Not because I don't want to have the sex, but I do and I can't. It's Mm -hmm. aggravating as hell and no one's talking to me about preserving my sexuality. And I actually, I I thought the other day, like, thank God, because when I had my hysterectomy, my cancer was hiding. It was hiding. It was not on a CAT scan. It was not on the MRI. I woke up one night and I woke my husband up and I said, I have fucking cancer. And he was like, you're just scared. And I was like, no, I know there is. And it was on nothing. And I went and they said that I got tested and I had the BRCA1 gene. And they said, okay, your first step is to have a mastectomy. And I said, no, it's not. You're doing a hysterectomy first. Something's wrong. I don't feel good. I'm having cramps. I have fibroids. Take my uterus out because if I'm having this much pain, I'm not going to be able to care for myself post-op from the mastectomy if I'm in constant pain and metromenorrhagia. They did the hysterectomy and woke me up from surgery and said, you didn't have cancer. And then three days later, my oncologist calls me and said, son of a bitch, you had cancer in your right fallopian tube and it was one of the most dangerous and deadly kinds. We have to bomb the shit out of you with chemo because your cancer has a 47% five-year survival rate that was never fucking found. And I didn't know before that surgery that I was going to have the sexual dysfunction that I do 
that I did. Can you imagine if that had been part of the conversation? I would have been like, ah, maybe you should do the mastectomy first if I'm not going to enjoy sex anymore. But the fact that right. I didn't know that I was not going to enjoy sex probably saved my life because I have so much stock in my sexual agency in a way that many women don't. And and ho- hopefully more of our viewers can reach that place. And that's the whole point of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I want like when we when we first started talking about who are we going to appeal to? Yes, the kinksters, but also to sex havers in general and know that um, sex happens outside of this hat white world. Mm-hmm. They're just there's no Viagra for women. Primarily, I have to stay away from cancer. I want to preserve my life. I'd rather, and I tell my husband too, in the early days of my cancer, if if you really do truly want to have children someday, let's discuss being poly before you discuss cheating on me and leaving me for another woman. Like I would rather have a poly relationship and have you raise a child in a V. A V relationship is poly where like there are three partners and um. There's one intersecting partner, but the other two partners are not involved. That is a V. Uh, the other type of polyamory where there are three people would be a triad, which is all partners are connected to each other in the triangle. The triangle is closed. It is a triad. But in a V, there is an open spot. That's the relationship that I've had. I've been in Vs. I've had metas. I've never been in a triad. But I would prefer to you know, spend more time with my husband. I mean, as part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So you're taking the principles that you're preaching, trying to apply it to your own life, right. keep growing yourself, and everyone else should do that. Yay, everyone. Thanks for listening. So glad that you're here. Look forward to next time. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support our podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on wherever you're listening to us. To catch up with all the latest from Kama and I, you could go to our website, www theothersideofsex.com, which will be the hub for everything going on in our worlds. There you can leave us a message with questions, feedback, suggestions, or anything else, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us, and we promise to keep your identity secret, so give us all those juicy details. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Till then, stay beautiful, stay authentic, and remember to take agency in everything you do. 